even if you are a person who tries to live in their like truth or I don't give a fuck or whatever, like we all have that thing that causes us to question if we are doing the right thing. And look, I'm not going to lie. I haven't found a fucking penny today. You know what I mean? (laughs) Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Hello. It's me. It's Busy Phillips. How are you? Um, This is Busy Phillips is doing her best. Uh, I am doing my best. Some days are better than others. This week's been particularly tricky, I think, for everybody. Casey St. Ange. Hi. Shantira Jackson are with me. Now, guys, I got to tell you. You at home. I am not, I'm not at my house anymore. I'm in a different city. I have left. And I am never coming back. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I like had a crazy thing happen. And the crazy thing was that I like freaked out and I had to get out of LA with my family. And I think a lot of people are feeling that. And, you know, in like recovery therapy terms, sometimes people call it pulling a geographic when you just like try to change your location to feel better about things. And I think that like collectively, a lot of people are pulling a a geographic right now. But at the same time, I had like very real health things going on and I like couldn't breathe and I was just feeling like so sick and weird and we had been trying to like oh no see there goes my throat again we'd been trying to uh find a house to rent somewhere else like within the general vicinity of Los Angeles and we had been trying since we got back from South Carolina in August And like put in some applications like, no, we were just like rejected (laughs) by everyone. It felt like I was getting a sign. (laughs) And I mean, this is like a real pivot. Like I'm like, it's crazy. And then I was talking to Mark and I was like, look in New York. What's, is there, is there something we can just rent in New York? And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yes, the kids are on Zoom. They would probably, for school, they'd probably like it better because they don't even start school till noon, which by the way, (laughs) today was the first day and they do like it better. Um, (laughs) um, I can do like my podcast and all of my like Zoom meetings from here. Um, I have some, I am like working with this writer woman who lives in New York on a totally different project thing. And so that might be good that I'm actually in near her. Um, Like, I don't know. I just was like, but that wasn't, it wasn't even like a consideration about work. It was just that I had like, you know how, (laughs) you know how animals get like right before there's a storm or like an earthquake or whatever. And they like fly away. Yeah. Real fast. Sure. Sure. I had, I feel like I became one of those birds that was like, I'm, I got to get out right now. And so we found this place and I was like, great, let's go. 
and like just packed up everything that we thought we could take for, and we like rented this house for like a month. And I feel like I just needed, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a geographic, but I do feel better. And I really also wanted to meet my friend's baby and kiss its head. <laughs> yeah. Smell that baby head. Uh, you need to smell a baby head. Well, I, I hope it like, makes you, I, yeah, I hope it makes you feel better. I feel like Casey's mad at me. I'm not mad at you. I'm I'm mad at everything, but I'm not specifically <laughs> mad at you. I know. I get it. I get I it. I know. It's just like, it's just really hard. And I just, yeah. and I don't know what to do. And I feel like everything's a fucking mess. Everything it's, is a mess. It's one of those things that you can control. Yeah. <laughs> right. And sometimes it's just, um, I mean, no one can see my Zoom, but last night I took every book and every picture off the wall in my apartment and started packing. We're not leaving for like two and a half weeks. <laughs> I'm moving apartments, but I was like, I don't need these books out. It's like a thing that you can control and no matter right. how big or small it is right now, like sometimes it's like, what can I do <laughs> right. that will actually help me because the government won't? <laughs> yeah. So how do you help yourself? Right. You and just have I feel to like you have to do what you have to do and there's no there's no rule book for this. There's no guidebook for how to feel better in this situation. So for me to try to tell you what you should do, I I never could because like how would I know? How I would know. anybody know? And there's also you know? other stuff for our people at home who like the stuff I don't you know, it's interesting. Like I I have such a, obviously, like, people think that I share legit everything online and and on this podcast, you know, even in just our five episodes, I feel like we've already covered, I mean, everything from, like, <laughs> pooping at a car dealership to, I mean, I don't even fucking know what. But, like, and more to, more where that, <laughs> more where that came from. Um, bleeding on chairs. Uh, but, but there, there's also, like, other extenuating circumstances in my, with my home in LA and like, and just why I really felt like I had to just get the fuck out and like move. And I mean, just be away from it for a, a period of time at least and figure out what we're going to do. But it's also really hard for me just because I like love that house. It's like where I had my kids. And so, you know, like, I just, I think about Birdie there as a little baby and yeah, um, I know. And people are like, wait, are you like moving for good? I don't know. I might be. Um, you gotta do what's best for you. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. You have to do what's best for you. I'm, I swear to God, I'm not mad at you. I know you're not. I'm just like struggling. <laughs> I swear to know? God. Yeah. But even, but even if I was mad at you that would be my problem not your problem you know you're yeah. just you're just trying to do your thing so like even I'm telling you like even if I was mad at you I'd be giving you permission to not give a shit about it well I do but I wouldn't shit, be you know, I know you do I care I know you do. deeply but I would care also, too can I just tell you guys what happened when we got to this house last night so what? we what? were like this house is really beautiful and like it's really nice but it's not necessarily like set up for two little girls. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the bedrooms sure. are not, well, like sometimes you look at rentals on Airbnb or whatever, and like you can find them where it's like, here's the room with the bunk beds and here's mm-hmm. the room with like the princess bed or whatever. Well, I mean, you guys know Mark, our list for our listeners at home. That's like <laughs> not his vibe. Like he does not gravitate toward like that. For instance, <laughs> when we did, I feel pretty in Boston. <sighs> I trusted that when he (laughs) went early with his partner, Abby, writing partner and directing partner, Abby, and they got their houses, that he would pick a thing, a place that we would all be comfortable in um, for the like literal six months we had to live in Boston over the summer. He and I had and Cricket was two. Is that right? Was she turning three? I think. Probably around three. A toddler. Let's say a toddler. She was little. She was in a stroller, guys. This guy is like, found the best place. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) He picked an apartment in, I don't know Boston that well, but like if you're listening and you do, I think you'll get what I'm saying. He picked an apartment in an area that's like the financial district in Boston (laughs) that after 5 p.m. Everything is a down. ghost town. There's Everything nothing there. Everything shuts down. And there's like nothing for children. Like you can't, there's no part, like you can't walk. And the, and the apartment itself was like, like glass furniture. And like, it was just, I mean, it was like crazy. And here, this house that we rented here looked looking looked incredible. But I just do think that like getting into any new place at night can be a little weird, especially for kids. So anyway, yeah, there's a lot of art in this house. Oh boy, and it's like <laughs> it's like some real art. And both girls in their bedrooms, the bedrooms are nice up like that for the, for them to sleep in, obviously busy what else would they be doing in them but they both like birdie had like a visceral like oh hell no like (laughs) is the art scary it's not great i mean it is a little scary yes okay all right there's like i would i i would take a picture of it but like to respect the privacy of the homeowners who I'm renting sure. from, and I really enjoy this house. I'm not going to post it. However, also I if will, it's like art, art, it might we, be art. We'll art. find out. I don't know if it's art, right. art. We might find. I out don't know. <laughs> Our friend one time she was staying in a place she rented in New York, and she called me and she was like, "There's a picture of you, um, bare ass on a toilet in the stairwell." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I know whose house." That is. <laughs> It was oh my God. like a former boss of mine that I'd given him like a gag gift of me pooping on his toilet because he hated when people <laughs> used his toilet and he had it hanging in his um Dave very- Letterman? No, no, not Dave Letterman. <laughs> 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 but he hung it in his very fancy place that he didn't live in often and sometimes rented. So I I know that this can happen. Art is a thing. Art's a thing. It's very well, personal. Oh my God, we. That, first of all, though, I want that picture too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do like a, a version. I'm going to use Cricket's crayons 
and I'm going to like do like an approximation of why it's scary. <laughs> and, I'll take a, and I'll take a picture of it and I will post it with, for our visual learners this week. Oh um, so anyway, guys, I am doing my best in that. I'm like doing my fucking best. I don't know. I'm like a little bit flailing. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I do know that I have my vote by mail thing coming and that it, that I'm going to be able to vote even if I don't make it back by November 2nd. But I am feeling a little weird, but I do feel, I like weirdly feel better today. I do feel better, like physically. And that's good. Um, I mean, the, the air quality is better there, but also I mean, for I think sure. That, there's no, there's no question there's, about there's that. There's no question yeah. about that. But I also think that sometimes you have to do, uh, we keep saying it, but like, a, and everyone doesn't have that scope. Like we, fully understand that everybody's not able to pack up and move across the country. You know what right. I mean? Like, but like, even like I have friends who like, are just like, but yeah, food. just like sometimes right. it's like, what can I control? You know what? I want nachos tonight. What can I control? You know what? I'm going to build new furniture. I'm going to rearrange my house. I'm going to start baking. And there are scopes to these things. And now there has never been a better time to be like, you know what? I'm going to do that thing that's for me <laughs> yeah. that well, I need to do wait, for Shantira, my health, my wellness, my good, like my whole being. I feel like you bring up a really interesting point because I realized that one of the things that I've been struggling about with just this is that this was a thing that I felt, I just felt very strongly about it. Like since we came back from South Carolina, I was just like, mm -hmm. I can't stay here anymore. And, uh, and I think that there's a version of myself previous to the pandemic or whatever that would have just been like, okay, but that's crazy. And so you're just going to stay put because that's what we do. Like you just like, you just stay the course of a thing and it doesn't make the most sense for you to do that. Also, there's also extenuating circumstances. Like my husband's family's all on the East coast and has like, you know, there's, like some health issues with his, with one of his parents. And so I like, we're closer if we need to be, if we're, you know, on the East coast. So like, yeah, five, 10 years ago, you've been like, I want to leave because of my health and I want to go be close to Mark's uh, parents. And someone would be like, well, that's selfish of you to say that out loud, but it's like, fuck you. <laughs> you know There's also mean? like a pandemic of apology. I feel like, because like, even, you know, even if just what you're doing for yourself is speaking up and saying how you honestly feel about something, you know, some people never do that. I never did that until I was like in my mid thirties, I was always mm -hmm. like biting my tongue. Um, for whatever reason, I didn't want to hurt someone or I didn't want someone to think of me in a certain way or whatever, but it's like only, you know, you and only you, know what's within your power to change only you know what will what you feel will make you feel better so right. you know so but that's but that's like I think this is I think hearing this is valuable for other people Casey I know it's like right now valuable for me <laughs> <laughs> hearing what you're saying because I do think that so many of us like feel beholden to what other people are going to think or say or judge us by. And like Casey and I had like an offline conversation where I wrote back and I was just like, we, it was like a whole thing, but I was just like, I just, I'm sorry. I said this thing. I 
felt like people were going to judge me and I didn't, not just you, but like everybody. Yeah. And she was like, who fucking cares? Like they're, you know, it doesn't, if people are like what she said on the show <laughs> too. Um, but I do feel like that because historically speaking, A, that's been true and B, like for everyone yeah. and B, even if you are a person who tries to live in their like truth or I don't give a fuck or whatever, like we all have that thing that causes us to question if we are doing the right thing. And look, I'm not going to lie. I haven't found a fucking penny today. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. And I'm like, gotta, where's my penny? <laughs> you got to get out there and get your well, penny. Also to be yeah. fair, I, I have just you been in this house. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, duly noted, maybe when you move that fucking art, you'll find something back there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, Shantira, what have you been doing your best out other than packing two weeks early? Uh, I have been uh, really trying to find a decent dairy-free ice cream, and I think <gasps> I found one last night. What? It's made from cashew milk. Because, like, I was so mad that I, like, had to buy it. Like, Because, like, I really been... I really been stunting on my body, just straight up being like, I know you're not supposed to have this, but you're going to eat this cheese today. So <laughs> I like truly was in the store and like this week and I was like, you know what? I'm going to drink this tea. I'm going to take my probiotic and I'm going to get a vegan dairy-free ice cream. I'm going to try a new flavor. I'm going to try to listen to my body. And I went ahead and did it. It's called So Delicious Dairy-Free. And mm -hmm. I don't, it, it's made from cashew milk. And uh, oat milk and almond milk and coconut milk are fine or whatever, but I feel like they always taste like coconut. Like, I just... It's like, oh, this is chocolate coconut. But this cashew um, dairy-free ice cream, I put it in my mouth and I was like, all right, body. We can do this. <laughs> so Wait, that what? is what I did. <laughs> I want to get that one. You know which one was uh, like advertised to me on Instagram and I purchased immediately? What? Craig's ice cream. Craig's vegan ice cream. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll put that and, on the list. Wait, listen. It's from that restaurant Craig's here in L there in LA. Not here in LA because I'm not here in LA. <laughs> I know. Um, there in LA. And... Uh, and I guess they were having, they had like so many, like Craig's is this restaurant in LA, guys, Hollywood break. We're like, not currently because pandemic, but <laughs> it's like anytime you're there, it's like definitely Jennifer Aniston is there <laughs> and probably, and like probably like if Howard Stern's in town, he's there. It's like a crazy celebrity. It's like the Ivy. Before I moved to Hollywood, I knew that the Ivy is where famous people ate a salad. I think, so. that, yeah, I, I think that people don't, I think famous people don't really eat at the Ivy anymore, but they no. definitely eat at Craig's. Craig's. Craig's is the yeah. new Ivy because regular people from Tallahassee, Florida found out about the Ivy and they were like, no. <laughs> well, now, well, now regular people from Tallahassee, Florida can know about Craig's. Um, but there's always like a, a like a throng of paparazzi out front, like waiting. It's on Melrose and nice. like in West Hollywood. And but anyway, I guess they started making vegan ice cream because so many, you know, actors. famous people in order to keep it tight, you can't have any milk. Yeah. And so and so uh, and it was like it's so popular and delicious that then they started selling it. And I f fell for it on Instagram. And boy, do I love it. 
It's all right. I'm going to try it. I'm going to finish the sticker doodle though, but it's really good. And it felt like I found the penny in the grocery store because I truly really did try (laughs) to get really good dairy-free ice cream, but I hated all of it. And I was like, fuck it. If I'm going to spend $7, you best believe it better taste good. So I decided to try it yesterday and I found the penny in the frozen food aisle and that I'm on board. I'm proud of you. Casey, (laughs) what have you been doing your best or not doing your best at this week? Well, there was a thing that I was trying really hard at for a really long time and um, it just wasn't working out. So I gave up on it. And so I feel like I didn't do my best. And that was that I was trying to find Chris Evans's dick pics. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Um, But I really... (laughs) I love Chris Evans. I think he's a great guy. I think he's he's always like a gentleman. And in case you don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know um, if you're on the internet. He accidentally leaked his camera roll on Instagram. Apparently. Yeah, what happened? I couldn't figure it out. I think he shared a he accidentally shared a screenshot. I don't know because I never successfully found it. I think he accidentally shared a screenshot of his camera roll and there were like possibly intimate photos. There was a dick, but it was like it it might not even have been his dick. Like I don't it was know. just like a bunch of memes of his well, face. Who else I his dick would it be, Shantira? Like maybe I, he saved I, I a don't have a dick of- and there's dick pics in my phone from the internet. Um so I, I was looking for it, but because he's such a beloved figure, so many of his fans just tweeted and posted nice pictures of him doing lovely things and being a hero and being fantastic that it buried the dick pics to the point where they were like unfindable by the time that I found out about it. So after like several hours of scrolling, I eventually had to give up. So mission accomplished internet warriors. And I'll tell you like the reason I wanted to look at it like the way that you look at a car crash. It's not nice, but it's hard not to look. But also I wanted to look at it too, just to like balance the scales of justice a little bit. Even though I love Chris Evans, so many women have had their phones hacked and nude photos have gotten out on the internet and like or or more intense things from yeah more intense things um so you know so I just felt like you know I just want to see it like it's out there you know there's a lot of things I wouldn't look at but I did try to look at that one and I failed I I think for me one of the things too I didn't not know I didn't know it was a dick pic so I just saw Chris Evans uh um trending and I was like what is it and then I looked and I saw it like immediately I was like I got there early I was like oh my gosh but then the thing that really got me is how everyone like rallied around him to protect him and take care of him and to be like it's okay you're a great guy and I was like why can't we do this for women like I really truly respect that like truly Hollywood everybody was like this is fucked up and we really need to take care of Cap And it's like, wait, (laughs) so you know how to be good to people whose nudes have leaked. You just have chosen for it to only be a white man that you cared about. And I was like, okay, cool. It really made me think back to that interview with Anne Hathaway when Matt Lauer asked her about the upskirt shot that was taken Mm -hmm. of her. Mm -hmm. And like, she was clearly so uncomfortable. And it was just like a really like, what place did that have on the Today Show? It really made me think of all these situations where women have just been given the business over these similar things happening. But, um, you know, 
Chris Evans, because he is fantastic, handled it in a wonderful way. And then he, he encouraged people to yeah. vote, right? He said, now yeah. that I have your attention, well, let's yeah. vote. Yeah, you you got vote. a little treat. Yeah. Now you have to go vote. And then he <laughs> went on Tamron Hall in, and he didn't really say anything. She asked him about it. And, but the way that he reacted made me sort of feel like it was a picture of his dick, but uh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. There I, was still, no I don't know. To this but day, I've not seen it. In the in the instances, like what what did they call it? Like the fappening or whatever, yes. when all of the actresses' phones were and computers were hacked, and there were all these like nude pictures and mm-hmm. really racy things happening. Um, that was all vile. That was like all a violation. He just yeah. messed up and like put yeah. his dick pic out there. Yeah. Like that's you know that was. I on think him. it was just like a a very interesting. Uh, no matter how you feel about nudes, everyone's not on board for looking or looking at them. <laughs> but I do think that there is a conversation to be had about how we respond to them, whether they're famous or not. So if your truth is that you would die to protect a dick pic from Captain America, you got to <laughs> hold that same fucking truth for mm-hmm. somebody who's not a cis mm-hmm. white man. That's yes. And you, yeah, you got to <laughs> speak up. Um, I, because I do like Chris Evans so much and really not even like it in a he's hot way. I just like him as he a person. He seems nice. And he's from he Boston. Like, yeah, he's from like- Massachusetts. So that's a big deal for me. Um, you know, but he also just seems like a, like a really good guy. So I, of course, concocted like some story in my head that like maybe like subconsciously he leaked this nude to sort of balance the the scales for all the women that this has happened to. I do think, I I mean, he dated my friend Jenny Slate, and I do think that he has tried and expanded his horizon in terms of his feminist views and stuff, you know? Like, yeah. you're not dating Jenny Slate if you're... A meathead. Yeah. 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 It's not. That's not. Yeah. That's not happening for you, sir. There was also something saved on his camera roll that was like a thirst, you know, blue steel kind of picture of him Mm. that had been turned into a meme that said, guard that pussy, which I was was entertained that he had that on his camera roll. That that I I did see. I mean, yeah, maybe, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's like, maybe it was like his weirdly feminist accidental feminist it was his I'm not gonna give him any credit I'm giving him zero credit okay. maybe subconsciously <laughs> he was trying to like normalize it so that next time this happens to a woman we can all not act like next time this does happen to a woman now we can point to this incident because like before we didn't have the proof that we, that people you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Behind the man like that. And yeah, so, and but now so we now, got it. So. Yeah, now we have it. So we, we got can. the receipts, baby. We got the We've receipts. We got the receipts, guys. Right before we, we're gonna move on to our incredible guest, who, in the first time in Busy Phillips, is doing her best history. <laughs> what I mean, come on. <laughs> episode, episode, what episode is a six? Six. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Happens to be friends with all three of us. Text. <laughs> text. We all we all have each other's digits. That's we've all eaten the, food together. We've all eaten. This is we've broken bread. We've drink <laughs> drinks, drank drinks. Anyway, before we get to that, I just do want to say because I just like opened my Twitter because I always like to know is there something that's like happening immediately that we should talk about like, because this is while you know. we started talking, did something happen? Well, kind of. Yeah, two things. 
doing their best. I know Casey's a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, if you're not into the Nandy Bushell and Dave Grohl situation. It's so cute. It's cute. It's great. It's heartwarming. It's going to make Hollywood you feel good. Hollywood break. If you're not on, t- on Twitter... I'm going to post it. There's an LA Times article. I'm going to post it for you guys. Nandy is this really incredible young drummer. She's 10. Drummer. She's a 10-year-old drummer. She plays the guitar as well. She loves Dave Grohl, who is a a friend of Busy's. And she (laughs) loves... This is the thing I know. She loves Dave Grohl. She loves Nirvana. She loves rocking out. And she makes these really wonderful videos. And she's like built this friendship uh, of... With her idol, Dave Grohl. And you know I don't cap for men. He's like a nice (laughs) man doing something from like a young musician who like is good and seems to be happy. And he was like, you know what? Let's fucking jam. And that's cool. (laughs) That's cool. The drummer from Nirvana, the lead singer from the Foo Fighters had a jam session with a 10-year-old girl. And it's fucking cool. Yeah. I have to say, like, I am friends with Dave, full disclosure. I actually have known his wife since college. We went to college Uh. together. Um, but like, he's a great dad. It doesn't surprise me at all. He's like an excellent father and like, so down with kids and like just a really fun, good person. And it's really, I just have really enjoyed this story in a time when I think so many things have just been so sad. So if you haven't, if you haven't caught up on it, I really highly recommend checking it out. Yeah. It's really cute. It's very um, cathartic. Cute. Also, Lenny Kravitz is a big fan of hers. And what's yes. so adorable, just to prepare you, um, is that she's an adorable <laughs> British girl and she calls everyone Mr. Grohl. And, you know, like she has a hard time calling them Lenny and Dave, which I think <laughs> is adorable. It's like Every a proper with a British accent. With yeah, a yeah. Just yeah. a little British accent. Okay, and then finally, this is actually news. Um... Louisville settled with Breonna Taylor's family. Yeah. Um, a $12 million settlement. Here's the thing. Significant uh, police reforms. But uh, I mean, Breonna Taylor, I literally cry for her, uh, yeah. have cried and continue to. Uh, that is taxpayer money. So yeah. fuck them. If we, I don't know if we're cutting that out, but like, no, I want we're her not to get cutting money. that out, Shandra. <laughs> but uh, fuck them. Taxpayer money. We pay for everything they do bad. We pay for it. And that's fucked up. So that's all I have to say about that. But it's like, it's always good to just start to think critically. And to be totally honest with you, like in a way, I didn't even think about that $12 million as being taxpayer money until you yeah. brought it up, Shantira. I was like, oh we yeah, that makes all sense. The, the government's going to pay for it. But I'm like, wait, who the fuck is the government? Oh, right. Oh, right. I only wanted to bring it up because I do just feel like in the in this time and when there are so many so many 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 things happening and so many things to focus on we have to remember that we are capable of holding more than one thing multitudes at a time. baby watch and that video yes. of that girl playing the drums and mm-hmm. then donate to a bail fund <laughs> <laughs> yeah. listen watch the video now listen we're going to we're going to move forward we're going to just keep, honestly, we're just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And pushing like, ourselves to do better, pushing yes. other people to do better. Yes. Like you've done something, Louisville, you've done something, but we feel like you could do better and we feel like there's still a problem that needs to be addressed and we'll continue to to speak push you to, to, yeah, speak truth to the power and ask you to, you know, to bring justice to Breonna Taylor. Um. Uh, all right, my heart, my heart, 
My heart is so happy though that we get that we were able the three of us to have our dear Ashley Nicole Black join us um and have a little chat about pivots and congratulate her on her like 47th Emmy nomination. <laughs> <laughs> I you guys we the three of us love Ashley Nicole Black so much. Has Shantira known her the longest? Probably, right? Yeah. I've known her since Chicago. Chicago. Seven, eight years? Nine years? A long time. Nine years. Casey, when did you guys meet? Gosh, a really long time ago. We met met online in like a women's writers group that morphed morphed into like a radical feminist group. You're so cool. You're so cool. You're always like a part of the coolest things. Okay. And I met Ashley. I mean, I followed her online and was a fan and like then just met her through Casey basically. But yeah, love her and she's my friend too now. So thank you. Um, Guys, I really hope you enjoy this conversation and I hope it's as much fun for you as it was for all of us. Yay. has already reshaped how we work and it's, you know, only halfway over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Well, Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is a number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. And what do I love? The best people. (laughs) And I love them to be fast. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. Like Indeed provides lots of powerful tools to make your search easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for, are you ready for this? Over 3 million businesses. It's a lot of businesses, guys. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash processing. Go right now to Indeed.com slash processing. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. So get there now. Hi, guys. You know, I'm a real sunglasses lady. And now I'm even wearing my faux glasses um, when, I'm, when I'm on my computer all the time. Where are my new Warby Parkers that I just received? They're in here somewhere. I did, uh, I don't know if you guys are into Warby Parker, but I love them. I've loved them for years. They're committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. And let me tell you something. The glasses are, you know, fairly affordable. They start at $95. So including prescription lenses. That's, if you wear glasses, you know that how good that is. Um, plus, I got the blue light lenses because, you know, I'm trying to save myself from all of these Zooms that I've been on. Um, I love my Warby Parkers. And guess what I did? I did the try-on kit, the home try-on kit. So I like took a little quiz. I ordered the try-on kit, the home try-on kit. And basically... 
we determined in my quiz that I have a wide face. This is not a shock to anyone same, who same. has ever I've never been in... thought that about you, but now that you say it. Yeah, of course I have a wide face. <laughs> obviously. Look at this yeah. wide face. You need a wide face to support that strong jawline. Right. I got it. If I had a narrow face, strong jawline, we wouldn't be, I, we probably wouldn't even be here. You We'd know what I mean? We'd be out of business. We'd out of, be out of business. So um, with my, with my wide face, then I was given like all these options of glasses that I could pick and a pair of glasses showed up guys. And I was like, Warby Parker has been paying attention to me because they were exactly like my favorite shape, dark green. I loved them. And so I tried on all my glasses and then... I bought the green ones because I needed them. And then also I bought another pair that I didn't do the try at home. I just bought them because I knew I wanted them immediately. So I didn't even need to try them on at home. So I love this program because I know that we're all like trying to stay out of public spaces, probably still trying to socially distant. And I know they have plans for that in their stores. But for me, this is like a really good option to try on glasses at home and then you get exactly what you want and there's no risk. So try... My box arrived yesterday. Your box arrived yesterday. Yeah, I'm excited. We're, we're very loyal to Warby Parker in my house too because not to brag, my husband and my teenage son both have very complicated eyeglasses prescriptions and Warby Parker handles them beautifully and they're affordable so you can get more than one pair if you don't want to wear the same complicated prescription glasses every day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because that's the thing, right? Like I remember when I was a kid and glasses were so expensive and you get like one pair of glasses, you know what I mean? And if you break them, your mom is like, well, you better tape those up because we're not <laughs> getting you another pair of glasses. True story that happened. Anyway, guys, <laughs> try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You order five pair of glasses to try on at home for free for five days. There's no obligation for you to buy them. It ships free. It includes a prepaid return shipping label. It couldn't have been easier. If I can do it, anyone can. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash our best. Make sure you use that because I want credit from Warby Parker. <laughs> I want them to know that you went there to do this because of me. We love it. And also every pair of glasses they sell, they distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need. So that's really nice. And you can just feel fantastic about your new fashionable glasses because you're helping one of the 1 billion people worldwide who lack access to glasses. The important, Casey, thanks for bringing that up. Thanks, Warby Parker, for doing your part. Hey, Ashley. Hi, I've been looking forward to this all day. Yay. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I'm so happy you're here. I love when my buds are here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just start this, this interview off with full disclosure. Ashley Nicole Black is not just a television star. She's also a very close friend of all three of us. <laughs> yes. We love her more than anything. You may be the closest friend of all three of us. Truly. That, that may ever, be true. That we ever talk to, maybe. Yeah. Even. Yeah. You're, you're the only one that all three of us, I think, have texted. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's it. That's Probably. it. Probably. Me it. and Chelsea. Yes. And I listen to every episode of the pod. I'm like a stan. Oh my it's God. really crazy. I've heard every episode in its entirety. It's I haven't even. <laughs> when we talk about when we talk about taking it to the group chat, Ashley is a member of mm -hmm. one of the very important group chats. <laughs> yeah. Very important. 
VIP. That group chat really got me through core, I have to say. It was the <laughs> yes. VIP group chat of getting me through core. I have. Yeah, um, you, you go, you go. You have like different group chats for different reasons. And like, that's the group chat for like, guys, I'm going to eat nachos only for the third day in a row. <laughs> and I need someone to tell me it's okay. <laughs> and everyone's like, yes. Yeah, yes. I, yes. me and Ashley had a group chat with Amber Ruffin yes. and like we watched uh, Smash, <laughs> Smash Live and we were like, are we three people who watch Smash? Okay, so <laughs> we, we got to do this together. <laughs> I never watched it. Was it amazing? It, it, yeah. was so so good. Good. it was so good. <laughs> I should have watched it. It was so good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I should get into it. Well, it's also fun. You have to watch it with someone who like has your same sensibilities because we were mad about the same stuff. Yeah. Excited about that. We were like, why did they sing it like that? I love that show so much. And it has one of my biggest pet peeves about a show. When a show will try to tell you this person is a better singer than this person, and you're like, no, I'm no, watching the show. No, no, yeah, no, I, no. I can I hear their voices. <laughs> Stop lying to me. It also did that. It also did that thing where somebody is like the villainiest villain ever, yes. and then like a week later, people are like, let's give him another chance. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever watch Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? I would yes. have also loved it. I watched since, every episode. Me too, me too. Since since we all like came from come from the comedy world and you guys are sketch comedy queens. Um I, I was like fascinated by Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Guys, if you're not familiar, it was Aaron Sorkin's like dramatization of behind the scenes at like an <laughs> SNL. But what was so funny to me is like that they kept talking about how Sarah Paulson's character, who's like the lead of the Studio 60 mm -hmm. on the Sunset Strip, like is the funniest person of all time. And like, <laughs> if you can't like, and, and she was so good at impressions, but like, it was clear that Sarah Paulson's best impression was the dolphin. The dolphin? <laughs> the dolphin. And they made right? her do it like in every fucking episode of her doing the of her doing the dolphin. And obviously Paulson is like an insanely talented person. But anytime yes. you write in that this person is like, but she's not Kate McKinnon, is my point. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. she, like, it's also, different. It's, to be fair to her, she might be. It was such, like, men-written television ooh, where they're like, that's, they kept Ashley, writing about how funny the woman is, but they never gave her a joke. They so never let her be wow. funny. They never let her be funny except to do the dolphin thing. Yeah. And then she does the dolphin thing, and then she's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> Honestly, in retrospect, it was kind of funny. Did you guys ever hear? What is it true that that character was based on Kristen Chenoweth? Well, kind of, yeah, oh, because yeah, like, oh, because they were dating. He dated yeah. her. Yeah, you know, I I like tested for the part that Kristen Chenoweth got on Pushing West Daisies. Wing. Oh, oh on West really? Wing. We I just, love her in West Wing, though. Yeah, I like tested for that. Part, I really, I really so loved her. It's like Daisies. me and Aisha yes. Tyler. <laughs> you and oh. Aisha Tyler. Yeah, yeah you guys are the, the same type. <laughs> we kind of, honestly, not honestly, we kind of are. If you think about, it. we're just like. Isn't strong. she like very tall? Isn't she like six one? I, I am gonna look it up right now because I really want to know if it's true. But I do think like usually when you meet meet this famous person, busy, uh, you've met more famous people. I, I mean, like they're so small. But yeah, I've seen her, and she's like 
hella tall, right? Small <laughs> She's very and tall. tiny heads. Every time I talk to a famous person, I feel like my head is giant because they all have such small heads. Really? I find oh, the opposite to be big true. Head. Big heads. Giant? Yeah, head. big heads. Big eyes, big features, big heads. My, Hollywood, I mean, my Hollywood. head is abnormally large. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood break. So I don't want to rat out who this person was, but one time I was at the Emmy Awards when Friends was like in its heyday and all the Friends uh, ladies walked by and the famous guy that I was sitting next to, this older guy, he hits me on the arm and he goes, look at them. They look like apples on pencils. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so oh my God. Um... She's six feet. I just looked it up. Yeah, there she was go. tall. Well, I, we're not here to talk about the jobs I didn't get or... Or um, celebrity head size. Or celebrity <laughs> head size. We're here to congratulate our dear friend on her Emmy nom. Are you excited? Ooh. Oh, yeah. You know what? I am, but like normally when it's the Emmys, you're like trying on dresses and doing all this stuff. And because there's no, it's virtual, I keep like forgetting it's coming because I'm not doing all the like prep that you would do. Yeah. Do you think maybe you should do it just for fun? Well, I said, I'll do the top half. I'm wearing sweatpants, but I'm going to dress up <laughs> the top half. <laughs> Are you not a person that likes to dress? How many Emmys have you been nominated for? How many have you won? You've like, I've I feel like you have some. One, one. Yes. Um, I think we were nominated six times, six or seven times. So many and how times many? you lost count, baby. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. And, <laughs> and, and how do you, uh, and how many times did you get to go? Um, I've gone, I mean, this sounds so braggy, but I've gone every year since I started working in television. I mean, shut up. That's amazing. <laughs> the, the power. The grace. <laughs> I love the flex. <laughs> the dresses. But, also, but sometimes I do feel like sometimes like all the writers don't get to go when they're nominated or do they always all get no, to go? No. Um, I think depends. in late night, a lot of times they do because late night writers get individually nominated. Whereas like on a script, scripted show, everybody worked on that episode, but one person gets nominated. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, so that's fun. So you've gone before. So you've worn the beautiful dresses. Oh yeah. I think I remember you were there. La were you there last year? No. Yeah. And we wore yeah, almost the same dress. You and me. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You had like together? the strapless version and I had like the version with sleeves <laughs> of the <laughs> um, like red sequence yes. gown. Do you remember that one? Yeah. Wait, was that the red? Oh, that wait. The maybe that was. Um, that was the Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Yeah. Oh we my wore God. the same you dress too. at the Golden Globes. Did we get a picture? Did no. I see you? No, we split. Michelle yeah. and I split. We didn't go to any parties. She was pregnant. I was like, she was, was she pregnant? She was pregnant. She didn't, we didn't go to any parties. We left and changed and then went and ate at John and Vinny's. And I remember pizza. those pics. Oh. I remember so John and Vinny's pics. Yeah. Yes. We changed in the bathroom. We took she won. pictures she first. She gave that good speech. She, gave she always a gives a good speech. speech. She always yeah. gives a great speech. And we Have you like, gone to give a speech? When you, when you guys won, did you get to give the speech? No. Part of it? Um, no. Sam gave it. So we should say for people that don't know Ashley Nicole Black as well as we do, because not to brag, we're all friends, but um, she was a correspondent and writer on Full Frontal with Samantha Bee, which is where she won that Emmy and was nominated so many times. But now, now she's a writer and performer on HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show, and that is what she's currently nominated for an Emmy for. That? People are like, I hate this girl. 
No. Why would they hate you? What are you that. talking about? <laughs> also, like sense. you're you're successful and like nice. Like there are people who are nominated for stuff, and I'm like, fuck that person. I hope <laughs> yes. they lose everything forever. And then you, I'm like. I hope you win an Emmy for directing, even if you didn't direct the episode. <laughs> yeah, I want Give you to win all of the awards for everything. I do. Yeah. I, I like getting dressed up. And to me, that's I'm like, oh, if we get nominated for an Emmy, I get another dress. That's a lot <laughs> of the motivation. <laughs> that's so fun. It's fun. It's so celebratory. I love that you love it. I don't love it. I haven't been in a while. But one time I went to the Emmys and at the last second, I just decided I hated my dress and I just wore my slip. <laughs> oh, wait, I remember that. I've heard this story. I know this story. It was I a very nice slip and it looked like an understated gown, but I was like, I'm here in my underwear. That's, I the, mean, a lot of people do show up in their underwears, so yeah. that makes sense. The first time I went, I worked as a PA on the Simpsons movie. And when the Simpsons got nominated for their Emmys, you know, like they get nominated every year and they're over it. So they were just like, PAs, who wants to go to the Emmys? And me and my friend went and we had like bridesmaids dresses because we were, we didn't have money. So just like, well, I was at a wedding this year. We put on our bridesmaids dresses and went to the Emmys. Wait, that's <laughs> so genius. cool. I love it. It was great. Also, by the way, that's, a, that's essentially what the gowns are. You know what I mean? Like, like last year I wore that Lila Rose dress. That's what I wore to the Emmys last year, that like light yellow dress. Oh, and man. I feel like I've seen that Lila Rose dress since in a version of it, but like, just like it would be like a dress you would buy to wear to a wedding. That would be fun actually this year if everyone who's nominated for an Emmy just got out their oldest bridesmaid dress <gasps> in their closet and posted. <laughs> I would oh God, take a picture a of it. I definitely cannot put these uh titties in that dress uh, <laughs> that it was not gonna go over these really <laughs> no. put it on upside down <laughs> then, honestly then maybe not <laughs> these titties are bigger than some hips i'll be honest <laughs> so do you know ashley do you know what the what the plan is like if you're as a nominee are you guys like zooming in or something when it's your turn and then if you guys like how is it working i i really don't know i think that's what it is i think you're like in the zoom audience or whatever it's just like such a weird um and i'm sure this is weird for a lot of people it's weird to be like every meeting emmys everything you're showing people your house is so it's just so weird <laughs> to me to be like well you get nominated for an emmy and your reward is you get to show people your house <laughs> oh my god but also like yeah, maybe maybe everybody uses should use the same virtual background or something. Yeah, I might just yeah. sit in front of a white wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I never even thought about that. And it's also like a lot of times. Uh, I mean, I have I have yet to be, I, I have yet to pop my Emmy cherry. <laughs> I have not gone yet. But like a lot of it's like, oh, some people might have been nominated for the first time, and it's like if you win, and then it's like. That's my dog. <laughs> I, hope yeah. my dog I, I hope my dog doesn't show the Emmy audience its butthole. Please. Right. I would hope that like one of my children wouldn't show the Emmy audience <laughs> their butthole. <laughs> that would be my concern. Um, it's going to happen. Someone's baby is going to like wander through. There's um, 100% going to be a butthole this year. Tune in. <laughs> 
Like we called it here this first. This is a commercial for the Emmy. We called it here first. We want we want that butthole credit. Baby. A celebrity oh. butthole. <laughs> well, I loved Black Lady Sketch Show, and I feel like you guys were very prophetic in your writing of it. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> it seems really weird now, doesn't it? Yeah, and I hadn't even thought of it that way, but people started tweeting, like, you guys predicted this, what's going to happen next? Because uh, in that show, there's a, a storyline where all the women are quarantined together it's in a house. Running, it's the running gag of the, of the series. Yeah, and basically. I truly think we were like, what's the craziest thing that could happen? Often in comedy, you're like, what's the craziest thing that could happen? We'll write that. And now all those things are happening. What do you, you think it witch? means, Ashley? What do you think it means? I mean, right now with the fires, the sky outside right now looks like the cutaway shot in that show. I know. <laughs> the cutaway it really does. Show the apocalypse. It really does. It's yeah. I, I started freaking out. Are you freaking out a little? I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm freaking out, but I did finally, you know, I want to say like a month ago, they told everybody pack a go bag. And I never did it. And then this week I looked at the sky and I was like, I'm going to pack that go bag. So I did do that. Can I ask you just like, because I love Black Lady Sketch Show. I feel like it brought a lot of joy in to like our lives in a moment where we needed joy. So a year ago, the uh, Black Lady Sketch Show came out. We were all so excited for you and supportive and wanting, you know, and we loved it. And then... Um, you know, then you guys got nominated for Emmys. I mean, and the world shut down. It's just a very different world than it was one year ago, right? And I guess, like, I don't know. I'm just sort of curious what your feeling is even about, like, award shows, like, about the Emmys and about, like, like given what the last six months has been. Has it, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, Part of what people were talking about about this Emmys is like a lot of Black people got nominated, um, which is great. And I think like Insecure is the best example of a show that like everyone was like, oh my gosh, Insecure got nominated in this fourth season. That's amazing. But they've been doing amazing work for four mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when stuff like that happens, it is kind of a bittersweet thing to be like, or like um, on Black Lady Sketch Show, our director was nominated for directing the show, which she absolutely should be. I think she took Sketch to like new heights with her directing, but she's the first Black woman to be nominated in that category. And it is very bittersweet to be like, no, there have been like amazing Black women doing amazing work for a long time. And it's like kind of weird when people are like finally getting nominated for something. Yeah. It's like that overnight success idea. You're like, hey, you, you found about it last night. They yeah. were there. <laughs> they were there. Ten. This is ten years in the making before I even got to show up. You know. Well, so. I guess it's like a question too of, yeah, like, do you ever feel not you because you've been to the Emmy so many fucking times, but like, <laughs> I wonder if the feeling is ever like, oh, now you want to like pay attention to the, you know, to work that's being done by people who aren't white, like, cool. You know, like, if there's ever that kind of, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like the Emmys and the Oscars have just traditionally populated their voting bodies with the same types of people that, like, 
you know, have historically run this industry and they're very, you know, all the same. And so well, and like it, people love to like point at the Oscar, like people who work in Hollywood love to point at the Oscars and be like, well, the Oscars are so racist because they only nominated these films and blah, blah, blah. But in order to be eligible to vote for the Emmys or for the Oscars, you have to be working in the business. The reason it's white is because you don't hire non-white people at your shows. Like the people who are eligible to do that is out of the pool of the people who are working in Hollywood. And like, it's a real thing in Hollywood where everyone can point to somebody else. The showrunners are like, oh, the studios don't want us to be more diverse. And the studios are like, no, we would love more diversity, but the showrunners aren't doing it. And it's just like at the end of the day, um, it's probably you, like whoever you <laughs> is that's listening, it's you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I also think that uh, like that we talk about the group chat. It's like, yeah, sometimes I, I do want to be like, fuck the Oscars. Will I take an Oscar? 100%. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? And I think that's yeah. the thing. It's like a bunch of people who got Oscars, been to the Oscars, know know somebody named Oscar. It's going to be like, <laughs> fuck the Oscars. And I'm going to be like, yeah. But I would take a nomination that would help me a lot so that I can hire more black and brown people. Give me the thing. Because until we get to a place where when I say fuck the Oscars, it's six people nominated for uh, six black and brown people nominated. Like I want them to be like, damn, Oscar's so black. Like until, we get, <laughs> until, until white people get mad about how black the Oscars are, give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> give me the Oscars. Also just, uh, I just have to say, I wanted to be on a recording. Uh, the basic ball, uh, <laughs> Ashley oh is the greatest thing on television and i know that it that technically does it it's, it's on television forever all the time it's the best thing the most relatable dime davis <laughs> is that the is that your director dime yeah. dime davis yeah. uh if you want a starting point if you're like i don't know i'm sick of sketch go watch the basic ball it is perfectly shot perfectly written by uh by ashley nicole black and just literally a a perfect sketch <laughs> a perfect chef's that's one of my favorites too because it just frustrates me so much i i love that there's so much more gay representation on tv but all the gay people on tv are so hot and i'm just like i know a lot of regular gays (laughs) a lot of people are just out here trying to get their kids to preschool you know (laughs) i really wanted to celebrate the average gay and i'm so glad the basic ball was so beautiful and i was like i am basic too and i love that my basic ass is just on hbo (laughs) finally a ball i can win yeah it's like you gotta see it to be it but guess what if you're already basic go watch it it's there for you (laughs) that to me is like the best thing about being a writer performer is being someone who's like well I'm basic looking and I can't dance. Let me create a world where I can win. <laughs> <laughs> I also love your, uh, your, you know, action movie character, Trinity. Oh, so good. I mean, just take, just talk a little bit about like how you came up with her because I love it so much. Yeah, I have literally always thought this is like part of I guess what makes me a writer, but also what's weird about my brain, I have truly always believed in my heart of hearts that I would be a great spy. Um, because <laughs> people just like, 
don't see me. Like it happens to me all the time. Like I'll just be like walking down the street and a man will literally walk into me. Like one time a lady touched my face with her face because no, she got no. so close to me. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. And I was like, I'm a large person. How could you not see me in your field of vision? And so I just always thought like I would be such a good spy because I could just get in and out of the party without anyone seeing me. And oh my God. when I knew that I was going to do the show, that was the first thing that I was like, um, oh, I can finally like bring this spy to life uh, because <laughs> I, I have a sketch show. <laughs> I just identified with it so much because like, well, I think everybody feels invisible sometimes, but I have also had that experience where people are like, you weren't there. And I'm like, I was there. We took a picture together. And they're like, and then they're like, what? what were you just saying? Were you just here just now? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm here talking to you right now. What? I've Lord? been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's very frustrating and I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you that, uh, yeah, I strongly identified with that and it's just painfully funny. Yeah. It's when so I funny. was in New York, people would always steal cabs from me. They'd be like, I didn't see you there. I was like, I'm touching the cab. <laughs> <laughs> You're sitting on me. <laughs> Why are you in my cab, Ashley? <laughs> oh, you can see me? Well, I wrote it's that weird... TV, but get out of my cab. It's such a weird thing. I do think that it's like, I do think it is kind of a superpower to be able to like disappear in a way. I think it is. I have come to enjoy it because it's like I okay. could be angry about it my whole life. I was like, because or... I, I would be angry about it, but then I'm just, I'm just trying to like think about it. Like... I mean, it's good for a party. It's great. Oh, it's like, I love to sneak out of a party. It's like, if you want to sneak out of a party, it's great. If you want to sneak into a party and stay for 10 minutes, you know what I mean? Because if yeah. nobody remembers you were there, you'd be like, well, if you ain't going to remember I'm here, I can stay for 10 minutes instead of four hours. Like, <laughs> let me make this work for me. <laughs> but if you want to get a drink at that party, fucking forget it. <laughs> oh, no, that's what you have hot friends for. Get me a drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I have come to enjoy, I feel like, especially working in Hollywood, there's that moment, like, you know, you go on these meetings or whatever, and people are like, oh, who's this bitch? And then it always takes me five, maybe 10 at most minutes for that person to like lean forward and be like, oh my God, she's good at this. And I just decided to like, instead of being resentful that I didn't get that from the first minute, I just like to clock and wait for it to happen. And then I'll yeah. just look at the clock and be like seven minutes and just enjoy the game of like, how long is it going to take you to notice that I'm here? And it's like a fun thing for me now. <laughs> I love that to own that power. Cause you know, I like, loves to be underestimated. Yeah. yeah. I said, you love to be underestimated. I, I feel was just like. about to, I was just about to say that. I was, say, <laughs> I was about to say, I, I don't, I didn't, it used to be the thing that was like, that would drive me the most insane. Like when the person at the dinner party who like fucking went to Harvard or whatever would like look at me and tilt their head and say, oh, you, that was really funny. You know, like, yeah, motherfucker, I get it. You know, like I understand what people's first impressions of me are. And it used to like really upset me and drive me crazy. And then in the last, I had a turn and I was like, this is my superpower. My superpower is exceeding people's expectations. And like that I'm able to get away with some things because they're not, they don't see it coming, you know? <laughs> and I think that's the same thing. Like on one hand, you could be like, it's really fucking shitty that like that lady just walked into me. And on the other hand, you know, that moment, the turn when somebody realizes like, Ooh, 
I could pickpocket her. Yeah, you could. I was going to say you could have stabbed her. You you have all the power, Ashley. Is what I'm saying. You have all the power. Hold those cards in your little hot hand. Um, Okay, guys. One thing you don't know about me, maybe you do. I don't know. I love pictures of things. I love pictures of things. I love artwork. I love the artwork that people send me. I love the picture of me on top of that sandwich. And what ends up happening is that I collect these things and they sit on a shelf in my closet or on top of my bookshelf because taking them to a framer is exhausting and a process that I do not have the time for the patience, the energy, and to be totally honest with you, sometimes the budget. Sometimes I would much rather buy one of my pretty dresses than get a bunch of things framed. Um, Or like, honestly, one thing framed. Like, I always feel like anytime I've tried, it's like, what, it costs what to frame that (laughs) picture? Okay. So I have to tell you about an amazing new service that I've found that exists. I didn't find it. It's called FrameBridge. Um, FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without leaving your house. Hallelujah. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift to your BFF from art prints and diplomas to, you know, just like photos sitting on your phone, you can FrameBridge just about anything. And now here's another thing. If you have grandparents, you know, if you're a parent and your mom and dad are like mine and they're always asking for busy, will you just please send me that picture you posted on Instagram (laughs) printed out so that I can have it of the girls. This is where FrameBridge comes in. Go to framebridge.com, upload your photo, or they will send you packaging to safely mail in like a physical piece of art. You preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts, and then you choose your favorites or you get free recommendations from their talented designers. And then the experts at FrameBridge custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. And so here's the best part. Instead of the fancy dress amount of money that you would pay at a framing store, Their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, because you are my listener and I love you, you're going to get 15% off your first order at framebridge.com when you use the code OURBEST, O-U-R-B-E-S-T. So guys, listen, get started today. Frame your photos. Send someone the perfect gift. It's a great gift for your, your parents pictures of your kids. Don't even like sweat it. You don't have to like be concerned about trying to print it out and then getting a frame and like the whole thing. They do it all for you. Go to framebridge.com. Use the promo code OURBEST to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code OURBEST. Framebridge.com, promo code OURBEST. So, but we invited you on to the podcast because we wanted to talk about a big pivot that you've had in your your life and times. So do you have like a big pivot story that you can share with us and our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have a lot. I think probably the biggest one is I started doing comedy when I dropped out of a PhD program. 
Um, that's how most comedians get started. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, you avoid. <laughs> I avoided. Gra- I avoided grad school for comedy. <laughs> you were smart. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were you studying in your PhD program? Um, I was doing performance studies. So I had gone to college for theater. And then I think like a lot of people after college didn't know what to do next. And literally one professor was like, you're smart. You should go to Northwestern. And that I just went like one person told me to do it. And I was like, all right, I applied. I got in. I went. Um, I love that. (laughs) And then when I got there, I realized that like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I actually really love teaching and I taught a lot. And like the whole time I was like coming up in comedy, like the way I paid the bills was teaching. And I love working with students, especially in performance and writing and watching people like find their voice and get confident is like the best feeling in the world. I love it. Um, but when, so when I went to grad school, I thought like, Oh, I'm training to be a teacher. I'm going to really enjoy this. But the thing is teaching is like the least important thing you do. It's really about doing research and getting published and like being cool. Like they have their own version of cool and and you're supposed (laughs) to like try to be the coolest. And I just wasn't going to be (laughs) like, I just didn't fit in that world. And I was like, Oh, I thought I was just going to come teach people to be better performers. And instead I I'm supposed to be like writing papers and, and getting cachet and being cool. And and it wasn't for me. (laughs) Academia. Academia. It's like such a dirty. It's like such a with macadamia, macadamia or academia, academia. That's how they say it because they're fancy. It is academia, academia. I mean, I I have a friend who has like her like I don't even fucking know, man. Like her, she's been in school legitimately since we got out of school. Do you know what I mean? And she's yeah in her forties, and it is like such a journey when people go on that, they really love exactly what you're saying. Like the whole, there's a whole system to it and like getting published and getting, I don't know. I can't for the life of me. It's not for me. It wouldn't be for me. And I can't see that it would be for you either. It wasn't, but I found out the expensive way. I wish that I had known (laughs) that about myself sooner. And so... And so then you fa- you figured it, you were like, how, how soon did you, did you figure it out? And then how soon did you get the fuck out? That's a really good question. I figured it out almost immediately. And then it still took me four years to leave. Oh, me? Um, yeah, it was really tough because it, I feel like when you're in like a prestigious institution or you're doing something that's like, quote unquote, the best mm-hmm. people around you are like really invested in you. Oh, you're going to Northwestern, big fancy school. Oh, you're going to get doctor in front of your name. That's really important. Not, not a lot of black women get to do that. And I think just being young, I was like, Oh, it's important to other people that I mm. keep doing this. So mm-hmm. I kept doing it, even though I knew that I was not in the right And it's like, you know, it's like wearing clothes that don't fit. It's uncomfortable all day. It's also like an interesting thing that you said, and I want to go back to it because I think this could help a lot of, especially women who are listening. There, There tends to be a thing where you feel as though, even though in your heart, your gut, your brain, whatever the fuck you want to say, knows that a thing is off. You're like, but all these other people have this thing on it. 
And therefore, I'm going to power through because it's really important to my mom. It's really important to my friends. It's really important to my favorite professor. It's really important to all of these other people. And the thing that you need to like always remember is that you have to listen to yourself and your gut. Like you'll save yourself so much time and energy and And money. Yeah, and tuition. (laughs) But most importantly, money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think also like there's a huge difference between realizing something isn't for you and stepping out of it and living your truth, which is a success and failure. And I think it's like, Oh, I'm going to this big fancy school. If I leave then I failed and people will think that I failed. And even if people think that like, fuck them, um, you knowing in your heart, Oh, this isn't for me. And now I'm going to go find the thing that is, is successful. Like I remember, um, like when we were at second city, um, whenever people would leave Second City, whether they got fired or they chose to quit, everyone would say congratulations. Like the thing to say was congratulations. There'd be like a congratulatory last show. And I remember starting out being like, why would you congratulate someone on getting fired? But like, if you're going on to your next thing, it's congratulatory. You're leaving. You're going to the next thing. You're about to level up. So Ashley, when you decided that uh, that school wasn't for you and that you weren't going to finish your PhD. How was that moment when you like told people, like, how did you do it? Um, I did it. I would not recommend how I did it. I rolled it out very, very slowly. I was like, I'm taking some time off. I'm taking a sabbatical. My sabbatical's getting longer. <laughs> They're finally like, are you ever coming back? Actually? No. Um, so I, I like really slow played it and didn't do it confidently. And it really, I think, in response to that, made other people not feel confident about it. Like, of course, my parents were worried about me. They're like, you're dropping out of a PhD and you're like doing commercials and sketch comedy. Like, how is this going to work? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think like now if I was in that kind of situation, I would just confidently say, I'm leaving this and I'm going to this and I think it's going to be great. Or even I'm leaving this and I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm going to be I'm going to have different problems, at least, <laughs> than the ones I have now. <laughs> Do you feel like that decision kind of spurred you on to faster success because you felt like you had to make a make a go of this after, you know, yeah, sort of publicly? because one thing I do want to point out is that one of the first things you said was, oh, I've gone to the Emmys every year since I started working in TV. And like that, to me, comes exactly from the place of you leaving your PhD program at Northwestern to pursue a thing and feeling like, oh no, I'm going to the fucking Emmys this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is that true? Do you feel like that was that was a driving factor for you to like get there? There are like a lot of years in between, but I will say I felt confident during those years because it was like, I chose this. I took a bet on myself. And also I wasn't like, I'm going to leave grad school and then I'm going to go to the Emmys. I was like, I'm going to leave grad school and I'm going to be a working comedian. And especially living in Chicago, rent's not too crazy there. It's like, I know that I can make a living doing this and I don't need to be like famous or um, anything like that. I enjoy doing this thing. I'm good at it. This is my purpose and I'm going to live in my purpose And I'm going to live in my purpose in my pretty cheap apartment. So I'll probably be able to eat and I'll be fine. And I think like the success came later, but I do think that it was able to come because I wasn't like starving for it. 
I was like, I want to tell stories. And as it turns out, people will give you a shiny trophy if you're good at telling stories. But I would have been able to tell them either way. Like when we were at Second City, they have, um, you know, their main stage, which is amazing. And it's like a six person cast who writes their own show and performs it. And I was always like, I want them to pick me. I want them to pick me. I want to be on main stage. And then if you think about it, you're like, well, if what I want to do is write my own show with six people... I can just go get five friends and we can write a show and make it and we're doing the job. And maybe we're not making as much money as them and we don't have like a fancy poster and all the things that they have. But if the part of this that's important to me is the fanciness, I'm always going to be possibly disappointed because I can't force those people to give me that. But if the part of this that's appealing to me is like me and my friends telling stories and making each other laugh and making an audience laugh, I can make that happen anywhere. And I think like once I decided that that was the part I wanted, the other stuff kind of came with it. Like it was the same thing when I worked for Sam, I applied for that job as a writer and as someone who is also a performer, I really like was like, how is it going to feel? to watch someone else tell my jokes and they're going to get the applause and they're going to get um, all of the accolades of how funny they are because I wrote jokes and I am okay with that. And when I decided that I really was like, I, I love Sam. I want to work with her. I want to make her seem like the funniest person in the world, which she already is, but even more so because she'll have 10 brains adding <laughs> their brain to hers. And so I was like, I'm perfectly fine with, being outside of the spotlight and just supporting this person. And then a few months in that person invited me into the spotlight with her. But I don't think that would have happened if I had gone in being like, I'm probably as funny as Sam and like everyone should know. (laughs) (laughs) I think that a mistake that a lot of people make is holding on to an idea that they should be somewhere else. And I think that like being able to recognize where you are in that moment and being grateful for that opportunity and doing the best you can at that thing is part of the, in one of the ingredients that can help in any industry can help you rise. Because I think too frequently people just get bogged down in this idea. It's like, well, that should be me. I should be that person. And if you're always, if you're coming from, if you're operating from that place, your work's just not going to be good. It just won't be. It'll be, it'll be, it'll service something, but it's not going to be the best it can be and it won't shine. And I think like you acknowledging that you were concerned about it, but then you were just like, you know what? This is where we are and I'm going to like, help this other lady to shine by doing all of this stuff. She was like, hey, you're pretty shiny yourself, (laughs) shiny friend. Why don't you come on? You seem like not an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I've known Ashley for a long time. And even in Chicago when she was teaching, I think one of the things that Busy just said it too is that um, she did great work. You've always done great work. You did good work. You did great work in Chicago. And I think that that is a thing that I think people uh don't think about they'll be like i want to work and it's like is it good though (laughs) and every sketch show i saw her in every in second city they're called writing six shows every writing six show that (laughs) i saw you like write you wrote one i auditioned for it did not get it (laughs) but like it was good because i read it and i was like i would like to be in this show that ashley wrote that i don't get paid for everybody wants to work but like 
you want to do some good work and does good work. Yeah. Too. And like <laughs> enjoying the process of work because it, I mean, it is, I mean, I think like Tina Faye said this, like you're so often going to be working at two o'clock in the morning. You better fucking love doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not always the like fun, glamorous parts. You are such a hard worker. I think um, if anyone hates you, for anything. It's that. <laughs> also, <laughs> work if, harder. Everybody if, thinks you deserve every Emmy to go every, but you just have so much more stamina to work so much harder than many of the people that I know. And people are like, damn it. You're like the Hamilton of sketch comedy. <laughs> I really that, did. She was nonstop. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley wrote the other 51. <laughs> I, I both relate to writing the other 51 and being the person who's so angry about it. <laughs> Me too, though. Like Honestly, same. Shows. I'm like, I both. I am Burr and Hamilton. Yeah, <laughs> same. Haven't same, we, same. Yeah. If you aren't Burr and Hamilton, who are you? I don't even know. Yeah. What's Eliza, the, guy, what's the one who was always sick? <laughs> uh, the, Madison. You're Madison. <laughs> Here's a Hollywood break. T- doing a TV show and especially the writing of a TV show is all just like a giant school group project. And there are always shirkers. And oh, there yeah. are always people who are like, well, I guess it's me. I got to bring it home. I got to earn us all a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> and mostly it's like a lot of white men. Um, <laughs> you're right. You're if you right. don't like white men, don't go into television. You're going to be surrounded. Yeah. Surrounded. And much like the founding fathers, it's all white men. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. Um, are you, you guys are back in the room for Black Lady Sketch Show. What do you call it? Do you, uh, do you I abbreviate people- it? call it Black Lady Sketch Show. I usually just say the sketch show. Um, (laughs) When I first moved here, um, you know, you like have to get an apartment and stuff like that. And people are like, where do you work? And every time you say Black Lady Sketch Show, it invites so much conversation. (laughs) Just be like a sketch show. I can't get into this. Oh my God. Why is it a Black Lady show? I work at a sketch show. I work on a sketch show. One of many. Um, we're not. So we had actually completely finished writing it and we were supposed to start shooting and then COVID happened. So we're literally just waiting for COVID to be good enough so that we can shoot. Oh boy. Okay. Have you thought about <laughs> doing like, have you thought about doing like the whole uh, protocol of like quarantining together and all that shit? Y- yeah. You want to, you want to pull a Tyler Perry? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I'm very curious of people who have done it because I haven't done it yet how I'm like a very anxious person under the best of circumstances and like under the circumstance where every work day starts with someone putting something in Mm. my nose. I'm Mm. curious how good an actor I'm going to be on that day. (laughs) I would be convinced that someone was like, because somebody will tindering and sneaking. Somebody will. It's human nature. I mean, somebody's going to get horny at some point. That's what people I mean, like there's all kinds of things, you know, it's (laughs) like, it's not just horny. It's like, there's like, Cookies. And these are also yeah. like the people, the people <laughs> horny who are, for cookies, horny the for people, cookies. The I people am who are getting cookies. quarantined have like wealth and hotness. It's not like when you're in like fourth grade and you go to sleepaway camp and you like go out to get some marshmallows. It's like CW, like teen hot stars are just locked in a hotel room together. They don't even They're have all to leave the fuck. They're going to fuck well, in the hotel. There's going to be show true, babies, show COVID babies. <laughs> it's going to be like... What do you expect? 
<laughs> That's actually a very good point. <laughs> um, like, a lot of marriages are going to dissolve. They're grown. It's not like those... when we were kids and it's like, oh, those 14-year-olds snuck out. That 32-year-old man who makes a million dollars a year. Pretending he, he's 17. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, I, did, I did a commercial <laughs> shoot I, for Olay. And I'm going to tell you something. And like they followed all the protocols and blah, 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 blah. I was pretty freaked out, especially because as the performer, because I'm on camera, I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like I, you are, as the performer, the most exposed, basically. And you just don't know. Like you just don't fucking know. Yeah. I think I will be very anxious. I I know like one thing I know about myself is I, I will like dread and dread and dread things and be so anxious because that's my personality. And then once I start doing it, I usually just like settle in and it's fine. So I just have to tell myself as I'm freaking out, you know yourself, you know, you're gonna, you know, you've not, you haven't built yourself yet, but um, it is, it is weird to imagine acting while you have that cloud over your head. That's what I mean. It seems hard. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Ah! Oh no. (laughs) Are you okay? Who fell, the camera or busy? It was the, um, my Zoom recorder, which is not this, there's there's too many things called Zoom, guys. Yeah, Yeah. we got everything. My Zoom, because I have the Velcro tied up, the cords weren't long enough. I leaned back, the cords pulled. I was trying to keep my cords tight, Ashley. (laughs) I don't don't know how you feel about your cords, but we like I know that you guys have been into cord management. (laughs) Do you guys know that Ashley is the last person I saw other than my family before the world shut down? No. We went on a a date together to see Oprah's 2020 Vision Tour. Oh, that's right. And you guys, I can't believe you fell down. I can't believe you got this far without talking about Oprah. Oh, oh my. my God. But wait, first of all, guys, because of the pandemic, I feel like we all forgot that Oprah fucking fell down on stage. Yeah. Yeah. We need and to talk about it. Let's start from beginning to end. Let's, we need everything, every detail, guys. We got tickets from, you know, not to brag, but somebody that worked for Oprah. So, um, <laughs> so we, <laughs> they were good. So we knew that we were sitting down, you know, down front, but we were super late because the traffic was so bad. And then this like usher was like, I'm going to bring you right down because Oprah's already on stage. And so we were like, so we sprinted down to our seats. And then there was like a mix up. Some other bitches got in our seats. Fuck that. <laughs> I bet I doubt it was a mix up. Yeah, I agree. I and agree. So, I and doubt so it. We were doing that thing that you do in a theater where you're trying to like not be in anyone's way, but you're trying to straighten out the problem with the seat. So we were like half crouching down. And all of a sudden you just hear this gasp, the entire forum gasps. And uh we like get aware of what's happening and like Oprah has wiped out on stage. <gasps> and you guys she's wearing see like it. Little heels and like long pants. It was just like a disaster waiting to happen that the heel was going to get stuck in the little pant. And so, and so that was shocking. And then what we hadn't even realized was that like, then suddenly someone was like, excuse me, excuse me. And like Pat rushed past us (laughs) and it was Stedman because he was sitting. (gasps) Stedman. Stedman broke into an immediate run. The second Oprah started to fall He's at the lip of the stage to take care of her. And I was like, I need a Stedman. That might be my biggest takeaway from <laughs> the whole event. The, the 2020 Vision Tour. Everybody needs a Stedman. Um, Ashley, we're rooting for you always. We're so excited about uh, your virtual Emmy nom this year for Black Lady Sketch Show. Well-deserved. And I hope that you guys take it home and... 
I hope you guys get to film sooner rather than later because I do personally want some more sketches in my life from you. Maybe does this season involve getting out of the apocalypse and quarantine? Because maybe since you made the first thing happen, you could maybe make it, it unhappen. Yeah, maybe we should <laughs> just like, and then they all get a million dollars and the apocalypse <laughs> is over. And I'm they just win saying, an Emmy. Goodbye. If you're, if you you're know, predicting, like, if you're predicting anyway, the future. I can't wait. I'm just like, I'm very, but also I'm really glad that you took your pivot. Listen to yourself. Didn't go for the PhD and instead, you know, decided that comedy was the journey because it really is clearly the journey. And we're so much better, all of us, for you being in this world. Yeah, and I feel better. And that is, (laughs) I don't want to drink every night. So I know that life is better this way. (laughs) Interesting. I have never had that experience. (laughs) Oh, I don't know what that is. You need to drop out of your PhD program, Busy. Or go into one. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe. Well, Ashley, we love you. We'll see you you on the group chat. Love you guys. Thank you. You guys keep me company. so I'm glad this time I got to talk back. I hope you come back a million times. I will. I'll just start pivoting more in life so that I have a reason to come back. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, but then I was just thinking just now, if one of us can't make it, Ashley Nicole Black. Ooh, I'll be the Joan Rivers of the show. You be our Joan. <laughs> you are our Joan Rivers, you Ashley. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Love you. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Love you guys. <laughs> love Bye. you. Thanks, Ash. Bye. Guys, I don't know about you, but parenting in the last six months has been challenging. I love my kids. I love my family time. But between, you know, trying to work, be creative, do my activism stuff, my kids, trying to find some balcony time for myself, I get a little bit overwhelmed. And that's why I'm so excited when Daily Harvest started arriving. They deliver delicious, clean food that's ready in a snap. I love it. My kids love it. And the foods are built on organic fruits and vegetables. So I don't have to question if the food I'm eating is, you know, good for me or my kids, which is great. And there's no preservatives, added sugar or artificial ingredients. I always hate that. One time I was like, I really want dried mango because it's so, um, it's like, it's like candy, right? And I um, bought some at the store and then I bit into it. I was like, ah, it's too sweet. And it was because it was like coated in extra sugar, which is like insane. But daily, not Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest works directly with farms to freeze their ingredients at peak ripeness, locking in those nutrients and locking in that taste, that peak ripeness taste. So listen, there's like flatbreads for lunch and dinner. There's smoothies which I like sometimes I get very busy and I don't have time, guys. You know that. And I and then it's like, oh no, it's 2 p.m. And I haven't eaten anything since the morning times. And a smoothie is real fast, real healthy. And uh, they have these harvest bowls and soups. I love soups. It's getting to be soup season. I mean, I cannot wait for it to be soup season. Anyway... Everything stays in your freezer until you're ready to enjoy it, helping you thus 
to reduce food waste, which is always a big concern of mine. And it's also committed to minimizing their environmental impact. So in the process, they're in the process of transitioning to 100% recyclable plant-based and renewable fiber packaging. We love that. We love to see it. Yes. Daily Harvest. Parenting can be hard. Daily Harvest makes it easier with their undeniably delicious foods. Keep it simple with Daily Harvest. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter the promo code BEST to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code BEST for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. Dailyharvest.com. All right, guys, we've got two cats. I know that our dog, Gina, really is the star of my Instagram, but I do have the two cats. Listen, I don't love a litter box. I never have. Um, I'm not fond of the way that it smells. I have two cats. It's double the amount of things that they leave in that litter box. And every like, I just feel like it's a constant battle. And then, this is a true story, we got sent pretty litter. I'm obsessed. We threw all the other litter out. And you know, if you're a cat person, you know, sometimes you got to be careful with the changing of the litter because you don't want the cats to be like, what is this? I'm not going to use this. They get mad. Cats get mad. They're finicky. They like want the stuff that they have had in the past. And you have to be real careful. But our cats immediately just went on right into that pretty litter box. It's kitty litter reinvented. Unlike traditional litter, it's super light crystals trap the odor and release moisture, resulting in dry, low-maintenance litter that doesn't smell. It's a miracle. And it's virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a special de-dusting process. Less dust, no fuss. I... I'm obsessed. It arrived safely at our door in a little lightweight bag that lasts up to a month. And now that I get the bags auto shipped, I don't have to deal with, you know, oh God, we need more litter. Stinks. And it doesn't because it's pretty litter. And above all else, this is why we love it. It's a health indicator. So pretty litter monitors our cat's health by changing colors if it detects potential underlying issues. And if you also are a cat person, you know that like the urinary tract of your cat is a thing that must be monitored. Anyway, you can't find that in any conventional litter. I'm obsessed. I'm truly obsessed. This is a thing that our cats are using. Gildo and Rosie, pretty littering it up. Mark was excited about it. I have to say it has not smelled great. And then we changed over to the pretty litter and it is a whole new day in the cat's bathroom, which is what we call where they go to the bathroom. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so here you can you can join Gildo and Rosie and me. Get the world's smartest litter without leaving your home by visiting prettylitter.com. Use the promo code BEST for 20% off your first order prettylitter.com promo code best for 20% off prettylitter.com promo code best guys if it's good enough for Rosie and Gildo it's definitely good enough for your cat ah, I love her I long for margaritas with the four of us 
<laughs> and by person. the way, while we await news that whether or not a Black Lady Sketch Show won an Emmy or not, they did win a TCA award for Outstanding Achievement in Sketch Variety Show. So that's Woo-hoo! the Television Critics Yay. Association. Congratulations. The Television Critics Association is a wonderful award to get. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it is. A TCA. Is that what I have? Did I have that? No, I have a Critics' Choice Award. I have one award, guys. I won one award once. (laughs) And I'm going to bring it up forever. (laughs) It's it's good to win because the critics are the people who tell other people to watch your stuff. And the people who are are like, whose job it is to be like, watch this, love a black lady sketch show. In this instance, I'm going to be like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It's just fun to win an award. Even if you win one you never heard of before and people are like, oh, by the way, you won like such and such an award. You're like, fuck yeah, this is amazing. (laughs) This is so cool. I like, I, it is funny because I do think there, there becomes such a thing where like people are like, awards don't matter. I mean, I do it, you know. Yeah. Guilty. But, but I'll take having, it. <laughs> having won one one time, I will say there was no bigger rush ever. <laughs> <laughs> it literally was like Meryl Streep must feel so fucking good all the time. All the time. All, awards, all the time. Awards don't matter when you don't win one, but when you do win one, yeah, they matter it's a cool. little. It's really, it's, cool. it's really important. It's, cool. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, well, we just adore our sweet Ashley. And if you haven't watched Black Lady Sketch Show, maybe you want to just check into that tonight because maybe you need to laugh. Let's just laugh, guys. Definitely. There's a really we good Patti laugh. LaBelle sketch on there. Ugh. So funny. So if you miss the verses, go watch uh, Ashley Nicole Black's Patti LaBelle sketch because it is very fun. We didn't even talk about verses. So Miss Patti. Patti, my friend. Ms. Our friend, Miss Patty, who was a guest on Busy Tonight and wanted Busy to drive her to her concert in L.A. the next time she was performing because Miss Patty has a garage full of amazing cars but does not drive. And I, I love does it. not drive. You know I and love And one driving. thing I love about Miss Patty is she, she's been on a lot of shows that I've worked on and she always just acts like she's like a member of the family when she comes around. And she always will usually try to tell me a little Prince memory because she knows that I love Prince. So and she brought us pies. Yes. Like, talk about some hospitality. Yeah, no, she brought pies. But she also was like, what Casey's saying is true. Like most of the time when a guest come goes on any talk show they sort of like stay in their room with their team and they don't come out until it's time for them to go on set and then they go on set and they talk to the host and then they don't talk to anyone but their team in between takes like in between on commercial breaks or whatever and and they'll be nice and cordial but they're just like in their zone and they come and go Patty was like in our craft services room, like chatting up the crew, <laughs> she bringing was so her pies. Nice. She was yeah. so nice. She was like, I love all this girly shit. That's what she said to Casey. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, she was like, was this show amazing. is for girls. It's so yeah, good. It was so she fun. Got it. She just she got it. She was so fun. And yeah. I was worried that she wasn't going to maybe feel me. I don't know. I just, I didn't know how she was going to feel about She's me. She's got and true I loved auntie her. energy. She's got true yeah. auntie energy. Yeah. She was so fun. So nice. And those pies were fucking banging. The <laughs> pie, and it's Miss Patty Pie season, so get yourself yeah, out there right, right now. Pie. Yeah, pie. they're hard to get too. That's why she brought some because they yeah, sell people, out. They sell out. I bet I've, we. I bet we can contact her directly. I bet we can get some. <laughs> 
yeah, we'll try. Up we'll... for Thanksgiving in the <laughs> month or two or whatever. What is time? We don't know. We have it's so... Thanksgiving right now, baby. Oh my god. <laughs> we have so many. We have so far to go before we even get to that dumb turkey. I can't even. <laughs> oh, also, groups have been formulated, but there were so many of you that they're continuing to be sort of sorted Put together out for the yeah. sent out. Chat, yeah, sent out. So if you haven't received your group chat assignment yet. Please be patient. It's coming. There's just, we don't have, you know, guys, we don't even, we don't even know how this works. So like <laughs> we're trying our best. Um, but it's our producer, Lara, like has taken it very seriously and has been really trying to make sure that you guys have something in common and, uh, and just, and just hold tight. Cause those group chats are coming. Have some people gotten them though, Casey? Some people it's have, st- right? Yeah, it's started. It's started. Okay. Well, we want feedback on the group chats too. Let us know how it's going. Yeah. And give us the feedback as a group. I don't want one person like ratting out the group chat and then you're going to have to t- deal with it in the group chat. It, that could be too complicated. <laughs> so the whole group, if you want to write us as a group, and tell us how it's going. We would love to hear it. Let's get some, um, let's get just one letter. I think we have time for sure. maybe a letter. Okay. This is from Dylan. I can't really uh, pop this picture up, but I will say this. I love the color combination. It is like a very pleasing pink and mustard. And then I can <laughs> see your little face and I like your curls. Okay. And Dylan says, just some love. And maybe some advice. Ah, oh, hi, Busy, Shantira and Casey. First of all, just want to say thank you for this podcast. I've been feeling super lonely and listening makes me feel like I'm hanging out with friends. I'm in love. Oh, that is so nice. We love you too. And you are hanging out with friends. Yeah, yeah. we're your buds. Honestly. Oh, guys, you know, no one goes out anywhere, but I did have a lady come up to me um, and say how much she loves the podcast. Yay. I know. It was so fun. Okay, I love that. Back to well, Dylan. it's just hard because we're not like in public, you know. Right. Yeah. So it's just, just like, like you go getting... out. You're like, why are you talking to me? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was someone, really nice. Someone sent me um, a mug from Puerto Rico, also a listener. <gasps> oh yeah, that uh, Prince mug I saw. It was so cool. It was very nice. That's really cute. How did yeah. they get your address though? That's creepy. Sorry. No, I told they told they oh, were okay. like, we bought this for you. We'd love to send it to like a PO box, and I was like, I'll just give you my home address. <laughs> That's my PO box. <laughs> All right. Maybe we're going to get a P.O. box for Casey. Okay. (laughs) Second. Back to uh, Dylan. Dylan. Back to Dylan. Second, I would love some advice. I'm a graphic designer and my job is is pretty decent, but I keep feeling ungrateful for it. It's not creatively fulfilling, but I need health insurance and a steady income. Do you have advice for how to shift mindsets or even just advice for finding jobs that you love. Thanks so much. I hope you're having a really amazing week. Dylan. Dylan. Amazing. This is a hard one. Um, I do think that I don't know how old Dylan is, but she looks like she's in her twenties to me. Yeah. And I think that your twenties can be the time when you're like, when you, when you have the realization that maybe your job is not going to be the most exciting, exciting. And here's the also, thing. Is, when you're in sorry. your 20s, you're working your way, you're working your way up a little bit. So sometimes you're doing a job that is going to lead you to something that might be your dream job, but there's like a lot of shitty aspects to it because you're just starting out. If that's true about you, Dylan, if you're sort of like, 
on the young side and on a more entry level path right now, that could be like, that's what those jobs are. They are jobs you wouldn't feel grateful for necessarily. Okay. Let me just tell you, can I tell you the thing that my trainer, Angela, who I like love so much. And I was like having this point like in my career where I was feeling like I should be, I, I don't know. I just was, I was feeling very ungrateful. I was like, I deserve more or I should have more or people should, I don't know, like it should just be better. Yeah. And she just went on this whole run in SoulCycle one day. Uh, she now has her own gym called Army, which is also great. And they have a digital streaming service and I'm just giving her a plug because I love her so much. And her whole thing was like, I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but I need you to know that you need to sit in gratitude in the waiting room. And I know that you're sitting in this waiting room right now and you're annoyed and you're like, this isn't fun for me. And I've read all these fucking magazines and this waiting room is boring. And I saw that they already called that other person in and the other person got called in and I'm way better than that person. And you know, X, Y, and Z. But what I need to tell you is that you don't know what door is opening next. And if that door opens and you are not sitting there in gratitude, you are not going to be able to walk through that door. That door will be closed to you. And the door will only be opened to you if you're able to like sit in the waiting room with gratitude, have gratitude in the waiting room. And I just like really took that message in. I mean, it felt very purposeful for me on that particular day, but I think about it frequently. I think about it when I reach points like what I feel Dylan is feeling right now, which is like, I just don't feel, I just don't feel it, you know? And I just think like, well, you don't know what's next. None of us possibly could, right? But if you just start to think, God, how lucky am I? Do you know how many people have been furloughed or how many people are out of work right now or how many people wanted to be graphic designers, but like couldn't even go finish school because they had to stop because their mom was sick. I'm making up stories. I don't know those people. I'm just saying like, there are all kinds of things that you can like hold on to in order to be grateful. And it changed my entire perception, like as a performer and as an actor, I don't know, maybe this is cheesy advice, but I think it's good. <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like for me, I, I did a lot of jobs <laughs> while I was trying to become a improviser. Uh, <laughs> and I think uh, the model that I live with, especially now, is that it's what is for you is for you and what is for someone else is for someone else. And even though you you might not be exactly where you want, um, I mean, I worked at Apple for years because they had banging insurance, uh, not because <laughs> I felt it in my soul to sell laptops. You know what I mean? On Saturdays, I did all the improv I could step into one night. And then Monday through Friday, I sold computers so that I could get health insurance. By the way, Dylan, it sounds to me like you don't sound ungrateful. You're saying that you need health insurance and you need a steady income. And it sounds to me like you are grateful for having those things. And what is what you're not grateful for 
necessarily is that you don't find the job creatively fulfilling. And I have to tell you, like as someone that's had quote unquote, a lot of dream jobs, not every aspect of those jobs are ever like, I'm never like, Oh, thank you for allowing me to do this task. Like, you know, at some point work (laughs) is work is work, work, you know? So, but I agree so much with what Shantira is saying is that, you know, you're an artist and art and commerce work hand in hand all the time. So I think you need to like (laughs) do, you know, do what you have to do to earn those things that you're grateful for that health insurance and that paycheck and let that like give you energy and, you know, sort of lift you up so that in your own time you can, you know, whatever, illustrate a children's book or paint or whatever it is that like feeds your artistic soul and then like feed your legit stomach with your paycheck. Yeah. And then, but then I guess the question sort of Casey is a little bit like, well, my job is exhausting. So when, when am I, what am I doing? Um, You hear so much about, especially like women writers who are like raising kids and working jobs and then getting up in the, you know, before dawn in the morning to write these incredible novels. And I think it's like a particularly familiar problem to women who are trying to do art on their, on their free time. So um, yeah, I think then that becomes a whole other question. Like, are you maybe depressed? Because if you're depressed, then that's an issue that you address in a certain way. But if you're not depressed and you're not being like situationally depressed by your job, then I think it's a matter of taking control of your time and your life and your priorities a little bit and being like, you know, do you have a situation where you can talk to your boss and say like, it would really be meaningful to me to be able to attend this art class on Wednesday night or to teach this art class on Wednesday night or, you know, even within your job, it would really be meaningful to me to work on some pro bono projects that are like helpful to the community or to mentor interns that are interested in getting into graphic design to like remind you why you're passionate about it in the first place. I mean, maybe it's a little tricky because graphic design is one of those things that can like lull you into thinking it will be creatively fulfilling. Sure. But I also like in the same way have, have writer friends as an actor got to a place in certain jobs where I was like, this is not creatively fulfilling to me. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just like, (laughs) it becomes, it just becomes a job, dude. You know? And like, when that happens, you do have to go outside of yourself. And like to be, um, to give myself a fucking compliment on how I did that. It's a little bit how I became involved with thrilling adventure hour, Yeah, which was that I was on television and it was like, it was good. But I mean, if I'm just being honest, it was like, like creatively fulfilling is not exactly what making TV was for me as an actor. Sometimes, Sometimes there would be days. Yeah. yeah or it's like, or whatever. Are they writing for you? I mean, like as a writer, like you take the jobs you can get. And as an actress, you are great at what you do, but everybody in the writer's room is not going to always be like, and how can I make busy Phillips more <laughs> Shine. fulfilled? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's not, you're there to service like a story and a whole thing. Yeah. Right. And these guys that I knew were like, we do this like stage show and it's kind of in the vein of old time radio and it's weird and they're singing and you do different weird voices. And would you like to come try, like be a guest star in an episode, like in a, in a show? Um, and I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. It's on a Saturday night. I was a new mom. I was on a television show. 
I had a husband at the time. It's the same husband, but different. You know what I mean? Uh, Who was not particularly like helpful to me in child rearing and stuff. But I did have Ileana, who is an amazing nanny who helped me out. And even though I was like on some Saturday nights when these shows were, I was like real tired. So I went and did it once and I like, it was so fun and I felt so great. And there were months where like Saturdays would roll around and I was like, oof, I'm really tired. I could sleep. But I would go do it and I would feel energized, like so excited and so creatively fulfilled and like do something that surprised myself on stage or something that like made Paul F. Tompkins laugh, which is like my favorite thing in the world. (laughs) And then, and then it was like, you know, made the other stuff like easier to sort of deal with. Yeah. Not everything's going to make you hard. Shantira's, <laughs> Shantira's writing right now. She's got a job. So she's just <laughs> clicking away over there. Writing some more jokes for Amber Ruffin. <laughs> no, I just saw something that I need to respond it to. It was an emergency. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it was an emergency. So anyway, there's some ideas for all of us to remember. Dylan. We hope we hope we helped you. Let us know how it's going. Maybe someday you could you would be creatively fulfilled by designing t-shirts for a podcast. <gasps> Guys, we have to talk about merch. People are excited. People are talking. <laughs> and people <laughs> are giving us cool ideas. I feel like we could want. sell at least seven t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, my mom would buy three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. My mom would probably buy a couple too. Um, well, I uh, we're gonna work on the merch. Guys, look out for uh, the group chats being sorted. It's essentially Hogwarts over here. Although, fuck J.K. Except Rowling, not, so. yeah, not transphobic, non-transphobic Hogwarts. <laughs> J.K. JK. She wrote JK. another transphobic book. What's She's wrong in with the this middle bitch? Of it. It's so wild. It's like if you earn a billion dollars. You literally ain't got to, you ain't got to write no more books. You ain't got to say nothing. You can just go. You ain't got to do anything. She's, you know, the kids say she's high on her own supply. (laughs) Yes, the kids do say that. Is that what they say? (laughs) I think like old kids from the 70s. from the 70s. She's getting high on. So annoyed. Anyway, sorry I brought that up. I just clearly didn't mean to. No, Hogwarts Um, is beautiful. She's a piece of shit. What a terrible turn of events. Uh, um, if you are anybody but JK Rowling, um, please email us busydoingherbest at gmail.com to ask us an advice question that maybe we can help you out with. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at BP is doing her best. And also, um, if you're not JK Rowling, please subscribe to our <laughs> podcast wherever you get podcasts and like maybe write a nice review if you feel like a it. A review would be so nice. But if it's mean, take it to your group chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, subscribe, download, like. Smash that subscribe button, baby. Smash that subscribe. Right, guys, you know what to do. Hit that button down there in the left corner. Um, uh, I am Busy Phillips, joined by Casey St. Ange, Shantira Jackson. Yep. Two wonderful, beautiful human beings. We are all three of us, as are you, doing our best. We will be back in one week next Wednesday. 
Love you guys. We love you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Oh, no.